0: Hey, before we get started, we need to talk about beards.
1: Yours is looking good.
0: So Christmas time is coming up. And for the bearded man in your life, we've got the perfect sponsor for you.
1: But are just so many bearded men in my life? How do I choose? I,
0: I don't I mean, that's the cool thing about the packages that Casey Beardkill has. You could buy a package. And then split up the gifts in the package and give it to individuals. I
1: will give my package to the bearded men.
0: There you go. So listen, we're talking about Kansas City Beard Company, our newest sponsor. They have a hundred percent organic materials, and of course, all made right here in Kansas City. So support our friends. Go find them on Facebook, KC Beard Co. Go find them on Twitter. Give them a like and a follow. And buy some products for yourself
1: for the bearded man in your life. Or if you're a carny for the bearded lady. Oh. Don't wanna don't wanna don't wanna judge here.
0: I guess I guess that is also an option. But without further ado, let's uh let's get some, some mystical, if I can find it.
1: Mystical? Is that who plays our song? Yeah. Oh wow. It's mystical. You didn't know that? Mystical with a K? Yep.
0: Here it is. What is this? Amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no man, businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur, I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. (laughs) Amateur hour is what's happening. AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go... hour folks you got Ryan Scott Hall and a man of all 280 characters his darkness
1: so, that was actually 140 characters did you get the joke
0: yeah what's that where, where are you that was only
1: 140 characters I don't have the 280 yet you don't No. <laughs> uh, well the, the podcast I don't think condoms, most people got it <laughs> and so does Marcus tweeters Hey, and shout out to Marcus Tweeters for getting voted best intro among all Chiefs podcasts by some guy.
0: Thanks, some guy.
1: Yeah, shout out to some guy and to Ryan.
0: I'll uh, I'll take it. I'll uh, hopefully get some sort of a cool trophy. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we, we like to we like to play around, we like to play around, we like to have some fun. Football, friendship, and fun. So, Kansas City Chiefs, we're on the bye week. We have six wins and three losses. Wow.
1: Terrible. Um, Terrible.
0: Yeah. Burn it down. So, I wanna. I wanna. I feel like we should probably just, like, take a breath, you know? Because the team. Oh. Good job, Dirk. That's kind of suspenseful. Um, but the, the football team that we cheer for, I think that. We're. Are we still. Sort of, like, do do you think... You talked about how the Chiefs were playing with house money for a while. Yeah. Sitting at 6-3 and three at the turn here. Do you think that they're pretty much kind of, like, a, about what we expected? Yeah, yeah,
1: they're about even. Yeah? They're about even.
0: No more house I money. I think...
1: Ran out of house money. The Chiefs beat the Patriots in week one and kind of raised their expectations to an unhealthy level. Yeah. Uh, because coming into the season... Pretty much everybody's prediction was the Chiefs are going to be good, but nobody saw how they were going to get past the elite teams, much like they were in the past. And so they're going to be sitting on that good but not great label, as as has been widely pronounced this week. Um, And then week one happened and kind of changed all that. And really, man, once once you beat New England on Super Bowl ceremony night first game of the season, it's kind of all downhill from there, isn't it? Like, there's nothing... Mm. You, you kind of expect to win every game after that, because that's the hardest win of the season. It's yeah. all downhill from there. And little did we know, we're going to beat the 8-1 and one Eagles the next week. Beat them by... beat them pretty handily. I mean, we, were, got close up, we were up 14. With nine seconds left in yeah, the game. Yeah,
0: they scored that touchdown. Um,
1: so yeah, things have, have kind of dissolved since then, and there are... People jumping off the ledge on the Twitter.com.
0: So, I wanna I wanna talk about something. Let's talk about some things. And it, I think that some of what we need to do today is more like big picture stuff. Yeah. Because it's the bye week. It's the time that you get to stay take take a step back, if you will. Um, I know, um, as we all experienced a few weeks ago, that if we were to try to have a conversation about like the offense versus the defense that that's not really a road that you want to go down. Yeah. So I want to try to frame this in in an interesting way and just get your thoughts on it. Okay. So prepare for me to lash out. The last 4 years or we can just say the first 4 years under Andy Reid. <laughs> Do you think that it's safe to say that the defense has kind of carried the team? Like the team went as the defense went? Yeah, no doubt. So I think that we have all anticipated at some point that this change that we're now starting to see was going to happen unless they were able to reload at a number of important positions. And so whether that's, you know, finding Derek Johnson's replacement and having it be some sort of like seamless transition or if D Ford is going to be the kind of player that can start week in and week out opposite Justin Houston and, you know, but but really like I think that we all kind of assumed sooner or later under Andy Reid, the offense is going to take off and the defense might start to slow down, right?
1: Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. No, I'm I don't a... I never really liked it like that. no.
0: Okay. So, it feels kind of weird. It feels a little odd to have to do this because we haven't been conditioned to it over the first four seasons. But I think if we, we we can all admit that right now, as far as like potential is concerned, the elite unit on the team is the offense. Yes. they have much more of an ability to carry this team than the defense does. Yes. So I think if we're going to embrace this change, then when the offense doesn't perform, we have to hold them accountable. Now that doesn't mean that the conversation has to be the defense did enough to win and the offense didn't or whatever, but I think that if you want to look at like at least two of the three games that we've lost because Oakland is just it's a, it's an outlier. It's a division rival on a Thursday night that had five plays with no time on the clock and whatever. But if, if you look at the Pittsburgh game and the Dallas game, the correlation between the two is that the offense didn't seem to do enough to win. And, and I think that if we're going to be an offensive team, for the most part, like I don't... Do you see the Chiefs going out and winning games like 17-14? Are we built to win like that right now?
1: Uh, yeah, sure.
0: You think so? Sure. It's hmm. all about getting lead and getting
1: control. I can still... I mean, I, I understand that. I mean, We saw the Patriots win a game 17-14. Every game is its own story. Yeah. I guess I just... Um,
0: I think that the Chiefs are an offensive team now. I think that that's where we're at. And I want to be able to count on them week in and week out. And I don't know if we can yet. And so I wanted to try to maybe like jump into that and figure out why. like For sure. What we think, you know, why can't you expect the offense to, if they're averaging 28 points a game, try to put up
1: 28 points every week? Um, yes, for sure. Uh, I'm not about putting blame on, on either side, because there's always improvements to be made on both sides. So it's just like, this is just an offense problem. Like, no, no, both sides can obviously get better. Sure. And looking at this game, the first half, defense did everything they needed to do. I think we had... Sorry, I kind of lost my stats here. But I believe the defense forced punts on four of the first five drives. I mean, that's what you're looking for in that game. The offense... Didn't seize control of that game, and if they do, like they did in countless other games, Chiefs get a lead, and they're building off that. And we know how good the Chiefs are with a lead. So yes, the offense did not come to play in the first half, uh, and then the defense in the second half, when we really needed the stop, a couple times they got drove down. Yeah, because I think I think like
0: what what felt like the big opportunity of the game that kind of slipped through their hands was. Going up seventeen fourteen, and then it's like just just give me a stop, yeah, just give me a stop right here. And Dallas goes right down
1: the field, and scores. Yes, and then we had a really bad series on offense, and then it was that painful drive that just you didn't think the Chiefs had any chance of stopping them. There's Cowboys were just doing anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. Chiefs had no fire with them within them, uh, and it was just kind of it, it almost felt inevitable that they were driving down and getting a touchdown. You're just hoping like. Come on, penalty or drop pass or something. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I am down to look at why the offense is, is struggling in recent weeks, and I think it mostly comes back to the running game. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen essentially the same offense for four years under Andy Reid. They're very efficient, um, you know, not around, the, around 10 to 15 in scoring, around 20 in total yards. Like, it's not, the offense isn't carrying the team. What we saw different this year, or earlier this year, I guess, let me take a step back. Before, it was Jamal carrying the offense, and then it was kind of the other offensive weapons, like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill last year carrying the offense. So they did it in different ways, but they're always kind of like a mediocre unit. Once Kareem Hunt emerged this year, we saw the offense taken to a whole other level, because... Now you had weapons in the passing game, you had Kelsey over the middle, you have Tyreek on the outside, and you have Kareem running the ball. And once you had all three of those clicking, the Chiefs offense couldn't be stopped. In recent weeks, the running game is no longer there. Um, so that's something I have no idea why. Uh, obviously, the offensive line is not playing at the same level that they once were. It feels like Kareem Hunt's fighting off tacklers in the backfield for the last four or five weeks. Like. Maybe he's slowing down a little bit, but it's, it's hard to tell because I feel like our run blocking has just been atrocious.
0: That's something that when, when everyone was so excited about the broken tackle stat that, that I brought up here saying, guys, this, isn't, this is not good.
1: Like, it was just, there's just two ways to look at it. I mean, it's, it's a positive for Kareem Hunt, obviously, but you're looking at it for the Chiefs as a team, I guess, and, like, look, he's having to break way too many tackles. Like, the offensive line isn't getting the job done. Yeah. So what changed? you think the blocking, everything's just gotten steadily worse? Um, so I, I do think... Do you think Kareem Hunt has slowed down and that's the reason why? So there's, there's twofold here.
0: Number one, um, and, and this is the most obvious thing because you have like the direct evidence of it. It's, it's more tangible. But losing Mitch Morse and LDT for a stretch of games, um, that was tough. That was really tough. On the team, I mean, we had to start Cam Irving at a position that we didn't bring him into play for multiple games, um, and when everyone was, you know, pumping out the the pro football focus numbers on uh, Larry the Canadian doctor, you know, it seemed like he was one of the better guards in the league before he went down, and then you go to Cameron Irving, um, that was a big step backward, and. So, you know, now that you have the line at full strength, I think that I had higher expectations for the way that they would have performed in Dallas, because really, I thought
1: that for the most part,
0: the offense just wasn't good in that game.
1: No. Um, It started early with the offensive line. I thought they got pressure on Alex early. They were doing some slants that Romo kept kind of pointing out. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like the offensive of line has always kind of struggled with movement, like with stunts and slants. Like when the off when the defensive line does different things, the Chiefs' unit seems to struggle. I'm, and that's been like a constant theme yeah. throughout Chiefs under Andy Reid. I don't know, and I have no idea why. I've, so I've, then I've, that happened, and then I think Alex got some happy feet, yeah. his pocket presence fell apart. So he played a, a subpar game. The running game wasn't working because there was no room to run, and that was that. So
0: there's a there's a couple things here. So I said that the that the issues were twofold, and that you know it's it starts with losing the offensive line, um, and I, I do think that Hunt is slowing down. But there's a there's a few different factors in here that you have to consider. And so when you lose two starting offensive linemen, and if you want to call it three, we still don't. I, I don't I don't know how to look at Parker anger. We'll get our answer
1: the first game back after the bye. Yeah, if he starts, then. He's the starter, otherwise Whitman's going to be the guy. Yeah. The Whoever starts this next game is going to be the guy at left guard. I I listened to
0: Therese uh, and, and the star pod after the Dallas game, and people asked about anger, and he's like, listen, you know, he's he's been at practice for a few weeks, and he's not getting snaps with the ones. So if he were playing better than Whitsman in practice, he would get on the field. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't know what that means over the next two weeks or what that means for the rest
1: of the season. I, I don't know. I don't know what an offensive lineman can really show in practice either. I mean, they're not... Right, they're like not really hitting contact or though. anything.
0: So, um, but so there's a couple things that
1: happen. The injury's slowing him down and his body hasn't caught up yet. Like, he might just not be right. And he might not be right until next year. Sure. Um, there's a couple things that happen when you lose offensive linemen. And
0: we've seen it affect the run game negatively. I mean, Kareem has gone over 100 yards from scrimmage in all but the last two games. But he hasn't had 100 yards rushing since the Houston game. So, you know, the best game that he had rushing in the last four, where we've lost three of four, was the Oakland game. Where, I mean, it it could have gone either way. And he finished with 87. Um, But it's not just that. You mentioned Alex getting happy feet. Alex is missing two guys that he really counts on. I mean, especially in Morse, when you lose your center, and one of the first snaps after Morse gets hurt, um, at least I guess it was the next week, I think, when Fulton sailed it over Alex's head to start the game. It was Pittsburgh, yeah. I'm not sure when. So, I mean, there are things about Alex. Alex, for his entire career, essentially, has just gotten his bell rung. And... Pocket presence has just never really been his strong suit.
1: It's his most glaring weakness now that he's now that he's taking more chances downfield. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's Alex has
0: I don't think that he's ever really learned or ever really felt comfortable with buying time to throw by staying in the pocket no. and making like those subtle movements, yes. it's when Alex buys time, he gets out of the pocket. Yes. He draws
1: out the play. And we saw him make a few plays doing that this year, which is new. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's, it's the Tom Brady subtle movements in the pocket. Like, the left tackle's getting beat around the edge, so you have to take a half step up right here yeah. to give him the chance to catch up. Yeah, And he just doesn't have that, you know, awareness... Sure. To his side, what's the peripheral awareness, I guess, to just subtly move in the pocket to give himself extra time. Well, and, and, and if he gets pressure early, it gets way, way worse. Because well, then he starts dropping his eyes and looking at defenders and seeing ghosts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's scrambling out of the pocket, there's no one even there. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's, just, he's just doing it for no reason. He's just scared. In fairness to
0: Alex, and you guys can call me a homer all you want, that was always the hardest drill in training camp on Madden
1: Oh, I love that one with I the with hated the thing zoom. Oh presence. man, oh, it was man. so hard. I no. couldn't
0: stay in that little circle, man. Yeah, no. I'm
1: gonna go. I'm to go fire up Madden '04 and, and play that. I was so bad at it. That was. I loved it. Um. So I mean, I think that
0: you you lose your offensive lineman and the running game slows down and it and it causes Alex to feel less comfortable. Um. So those those are a couple problems there. Andy Reid also like we know that he has these tendencies to kind of go away from the run. He likes to throw. Um, and so he's not really used to having this guy in Kareem Hunt that, like... How would you... How would you characterize Kareem Hunt? Like, is Kareem Hunt the kind of guy that's better and carries, you know, 15 through 20 than 1 through 5? Or is there a difference? Or, like... I've, I've heard people, you know, well, like radio callers say he's a bell cow. Like you have
1: to give him a bunch of carries in order for him to be effective. I, could, I haven't you know, looked at any numbers, but I could see the argument for that because, I mean, the first couple weeks he was putting up those huge numbers because he was breaking a 60-yard run in the fourth quarter. Right. I think it was in the fourth quarter all three weeks. So I could see the argument that he needs the carries. I also get the argument you ain't putting 25 carries on Kareem Hunt for 19 games this year. Yeah, I mean he's, he's... that's not that's not going to happen. So maybe they're they're trying to just spread out his carries. I mean, we talked about this. We talked about how we're going to have to have Kareem Hunt last the whole season. So maybe this is just their way of doing it. Um, it's also hurting. We don't have a backup running back. See, right that's now. that's like the we can't European. we can't spell him at all. Sharkandrick can come in and block, but giving carries to Sharkandrick West is just a waste of down. Like you could do it, but you're going to get three yards. Well, and it's it's not. It's not just that.
0: It's also, like, how confident are you in giving him the ball? I mean, we've seen the fumbles in in big-time spots from Sharkandrick, and, like, you know, you hand him the ball, and you start to get pretty nervous with the ball in his hands. Um, And, I mean, don't get me wrong, there was a time in Jamal Charles' career when that's how you felt. And and ultimately, it, it... maybe never really went away. I mean, the last, no. probably, like, healthy-ish season that he had, he fumbled twice in the same game, including one at the end, and Denver picked it up and took it back for a touchdown. He might have it's fumbled in a game
1: this year. I'm not sure I have to fact-check that, too. Um, but, yes, I don't, Sharkandrick does not have the upside of Jamal. Like, you're seeing the big plays out of Jamal with the fumble, so you're like, how do we balance this? Sharkandrick is just kind of... I mean, he's not... He doesn't have the splash plays, at least anymore. So...
0: I I don't think that there is a guy on the roster and probably not a guy on the street that they're going to bring in that's going to change what happens at the running back position. No. And so one of the things that frustrates me a little bit, and maybe it is just putting guys in the best position to succeed, or maybe it's trying to figure out a way to not have Kareem Hunt on the field every single play or what, but like, you know what's happening if the Chiefs go to third down, Charcandrick West comes on the field. If it's first or second down, Kareem Hunt is on the field. Like it's telegraphed. You just know that that's the way the personnel is going to move. Um, I don't know if those tendencies help a defense or not, but for I mean, the most part, like, that's on, what you
1: see, he's mostly coming in on passing down. So you're assuming pass, right? Regardless, he
0: comes and and they don't really give him the ball a whole lot, but he's an excellent pass blocker. So I mean, like it's not. I don't know if that is a problem or not, but it is definitely a tendency that, like, if you're if you're trying to figure out what teams do in certain situations, like, you can see it. It's very very clear that first and second down it's Kareem Hunt
1: and third oh, yeah. down is Shark
0: Hendrick and then at the
1: end of the game when we were in no huddle or whatever, we were we we're in hurry up offense at least. It was Shark the whole time. Right. So I, I wish it's it's just too difficult of a balance to try and keep this rookie. To not lose his legs for an entire season when he's the only one that can carry the ball. Like we yeah. need another guy. There isn't another guy. I would. I don't know. Try and get Akeem Hunt involved. Try and get CJ Spiller involved. CJ Spiller got what the one carry and one catch or something. Well, he's not on the roster right oh, now. Well, so I mean, give it time.
0: Yeah, I mean he'll be back. <laughs> um, he can't quit us. And that's I man this, the Spencer Ware injury. Like that's that still seems. That is to be who we need. Of, yes, like, that is exactly who we need. It'd be it'd be great. great. It'd be great to have Spencer wearing. Is there right talk
1: now. of him coming back, or is he definitely gone? I mean,
0: I think he's definitely gone. Okay. Given given the nature of the need Yeah, I think the knee injury is worse than we first thought, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not to say though that there isn't a guy on the street that maybe they could snag. I I don't know. Tyrone but, Wheatley
1: out there or something?
0: I mean, I was thinking Michael Bush. Zach Crockett? <laughs> so We're just naming Raiders fatbacks here. Yeah, there you go. Um, I so that that to me I think is is really the kind of the crux of the issue with the offense was losing the offensive lineman, and it's kind of slowed everything else down. Kareem Hunt is averaging basically like 21 touches a game between uh, handoffs and receptions, and you can see this correlation that in the losses to Pittsburgh and Dallas, he had 27 total touches. He had 14 against Pittsburgh, and he had 13 against Dallas, and really, in neither of those games... Were I, I mean maybe they were struggling to run it effectively, but it wasn't like it, the game was ever out of reach. And you're playing so far from behind, and Not so, so far from behind, but you're losing the entire game, and, and you're but losing see, early and often. But to me, that sounds like an excuse. We're down by a touchdown, so we can't hand it off.
1: Well. And the Pittsburgh game, we just didn't have that very many plays because they dominated the clock so much. But see, I don't, and and I like I understand what you're saying
0: there, but I think if you go back and look at the number of possessions, the Chiefs had like five or six games this season with fewer possessions than they had in the Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. We got the ball a lot, we didn't do anything with it. So, yeah, they did run fewer plays, but that's because they had a lot of three and outs it wasn't It wasn't for lack of opportunities it was lack of of success with the opportunities they were given uh. so I, I mean i I think that if the team i'm I'm wondering if we're undergoing a little bit of an identity crisis of, of, as far as like what this team is best at and and you always talk about like wanting to have complementary pieces, and whether that's in a given unit, or that your offense and your defense complement each other, or that your special teams are involved in that in some way. And so, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to transition over to the defense because something that we've talked about a little bit, um, and so you'll have to you have to kind of ride this out with me. Because I think that this is a variation of different arguments that you've made over different weeks. Okay. But with the defense, I want to try to figure out the best way for this group of defensive players to, to, I guess, like, what what is the best way to use what you have? So... Over the last four years, we know that there have been some changes. There have been changes in personnel, but there's also been... We saw the, the change where we started to go to that the, the bend-but-don't-break. I think that was really after year one, essentially. Yes. Uh, but I have thought, I and I wonder, do you agree that when you play a bend-but-don't-break defense and you're trying to just keep the ball in front of you... And ultimately, it seemed like the more opportunities you give the other team, sooner or later they're going to make a mistake, and we're going to be able to capitalize on it. That that was, I think, in many ways predicated upon like the sheer talent that we had on defense. We have so many guys that can make a play, whether it's a pass rusher or whether it's a guy in the secondary, like, we will end up taking the ball away from you because we are just loaded with talent on defense.
1: Yes. Well... Last year, yes. Last year, I think the defense wasn't very good, but they really skated by with turnovers and red zone defense. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. I mean, they're, they were as bad in yards last year as they were. As, I mean, we got 24th in yards last year, 29th in yards this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a little bit of difference there. Um, losing Eric hurts. Right. That's a big playmaker. And then I think the red zone defense just wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like it was just. I don't know how they did it for an entire year. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: certainly sustained all the way through the playoff game, but it, it yes. hasn't been the case so far this year. Yeah. And I don't know yeah, if it's just Eric Barry.
1: I mean, we had those discussions like, what happens when the red zone defense isn't good and they're just, now they're giving up tons of points? Well, we're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think you just saw the defense take a big drop off between 2015 and 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of went back and looked at the personnel. Well, first off, The Ben, but don't break, it's very successful with a lead. Mm -hmm. Once you have the lead and you're controlling the clock, then you're forcing the other team to use up that clock and forcing them to stay patient. It's very tough to to be losing in a game and stay patient, like you're seeing with the Chiefs, like not handing the ball off when they get behind. Mm -hmm. Um, Once they're not playing with a lead, you see games like the Pittsburgh game where they can't get the ball back and it just feels like keep away the whole time and it's just like this insurmountable eight-point lead. Like we've seen it for two games now. So I think it really works with a lead and doesn't work without a lead. But looking back at the twenty fifteen and twenty fourteen teams, I see talent discrepancy. Like the twenty fifteen, I think you see a pretty much improvement in every position group. You got Howard Poe and Bailey up front. I would say that's a little better. Chris Jones has been wildly disappointing. In my my opinion, he's we'll, been the most disappointing player of, of the season. We'll get there. He's okay. he's one of my topics today. Okay, cornerbacks: Marcus Peters in his rookie year and Sean Smith. You had Sean Smith not getting thrown at You had Marcus Peters, the playmaker, getting thrown it all the time. So there's there's plays throwing away. Mm-hmm. DJ and Josh Moggin on the inside. DJ, De- uh, a, a good DJ. Mm-hmm. Justin Houston and Lee on the outside rushing. Much much bigger improvement. Both of those when they are better players. The safeties: Tyvon Branch, Eric Berry, Hassan Abdullah, and Ron Parker. Those four safeties. I guess what we have now, which is Sorensen, Eric Murray, Ron Parker, who I think's also been disappointing this year, and uh, I don't have a fourth safety. I got Phil Gaines there. Um so I think you're seeing like an upgrade at every position. So I think I'm. I was mad at Bob Sutton last week. I saw him change up some things this week. I saw mm-hmm. him bring down that extra defender to stop the run. We actually held. I don't know if people realize this. We held Ezekiel Elliott to his third lowest yards per carry of his career. He had his very first game of, of his career against the Giants, and then he had the Broncos game earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And then this was his third worst game <laughs> per carry of his career. So we, they did a good job on Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. And I credit Bob Sutton for that. But what that did was open up major holes in the passing game. And now I'm kind of almost ready to concede that the talent level just isn't quite there on the defense.
0: Yeah, so... and,
1: and so, I think I took your question to no, wild lengths there.
0: No, no, no. But so here's here's the thing. Like, I think that the bend-but-don't-break defense tends to rely on superior talent and playmaking ability. Yes. Which we don't appear to have. And so then I think about... All right, so let's think about, like, the great overachievers of our time, but whether it be fictional or or factual. And what do these teams have in common? So
1: I think about, like... The Hoosiers, right? <laughs> think about Hoosiers, Rudy. Think about Rudy. Rudy showing up in Stranger Things all of a sudden. Yeah. So what do these guys have? They've got grit.
0: There you go. You know, and I don't know if this if these are lunch pail guys. Yeah. Like you mentioned, but most of these teams, like or or individuals, but I certainly think about like teams that are. If you are a less talented team, let me try to give you this anecdote. When I played basketball in high school, I played at Bonner Springs High School. Wow, powerhouse. Yeah, big time. I was. I, I say when I played basketball. When I watched other people play basketball from the I was going to say, I've
1: never seen you play basketball. I didn't, no, I didn't not, even know you played.
0: Not a basketball player. Um, but on the team, we were a predominantly white group. Wow. Under-athletic, for wow, Way sure. to bring race into it. And so we played a lot like Missouri. 40 minutes of hell.
1: Oh! And so Missouri about, circa 2010. You
0: think about the, like the Mike Anderson, that 40 minutes of hell, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I know that that's basketball, it's not football, but I think that one of the best ways to maybe cover up some of the talent Discrepancies or talent issues that they have on defense is to just get after it. Get after it on every play. We have to be a bunch of tryhards out there in order to do better because, like, I don't think that allowing all of the corners, and it's we're not talking about just Marcus Peters, but like all the corners seem to be playing 10 to 12 yards off the ball, they're giving all of this cushion. We're having, you know, when we only send three or four rushers and we drop seven back into coverage, we know that teams throw the ball a lot. And so, like, we want to be able to put more guys in coverage. But if the guys in coverage aren't great at covering and the guys that are rushing the passer and we're just trying to send three or four aren't great at rushing, like, something has to give there. And so I look at it and I think, like, I think that, we need to play 40 minutes of hell on defense. And that means pressing guys at the line. That means throwing a bunch of crazy blitzes at them. That means keeping bodies fresh. I think that we need to rot- like do a heavy rotation at almost every position. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, how many defensive players do we have that you like really trust to play the entire game? And for the most part, I mean, I, I'm not trying to steal the answer from you, but it's a, it's a small number. Who is it? Justin Houston and Marcus Peters. You know, maybe, well, Justin
1: Houston always takes a few series off. I mean, he for, has to, for to justifiable just to the reasons. Healthy.
0: But you're talking about, I mean, you could maybe say Ron Parker because he's the best safety
1: that we have. Are you saying how many do play all every snap, or how many do I trust? How I mean, many do I want out there for every snap? It, I mean, both. Like it's it shouldn't be that many. And don't get me
0: wrong, I I get that they're probably only playing like three or four guys on defense, they're getting almost every snap. But like I I think that this team don't get me wrong, we've had questions about about depth in the past, and maybe we have questions about depth now that we think the starters are better than the team is deep, but we talked we've we've been down that path of 2 through 53, the team is so good, right? Well, maybe there are some maybe there are some issues there. But to me, that means that if we don't have like, a truly established number two corner, or we don't know who the best defensive linemen are on this team, then everybody needs to be getting an opportunity and just say, like, when you are out there,
1: you, I want you to play like your hair is on fire. I like it. And, and one of my biggest problems with that <laughs> Dallas game was I thought the team had just no fight. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that one drive, it, was just, I just, it just felt hopeless. Nobody, nobody was stepping up, nobody was taking exception, nobody was, was doing anything. There was no fire whatsoever. It was just like, here they go, Cowboys, do whatever you want, all the way down the field. They looked like a very tired team, which the bye week could help out a ton. It should help a lot. Um, yeah. And also just, yes, I, I, I'm with you. And, and to your point, I got in my notes here, what does the defense take away? Because they're not stopping the run. The corners are playing off, so you can have these easy completions of all you want. And they're giving up the big play. Mm-hmm. So the defense is taking mm-hmm. nothing away. Like, you want a big play? Go ahead and do it. You want to move down the field eight yards at a time? Go ahead and do it. You want to control the game with the with the run game? Go ahead and do it. Yeah, we're not dictating anything nothing. defensively. Nothing. Um. So yeah, I, they need to change something up. And I think Sutton did a little bit, because they took away the run against Dallas. Started so to. I think that's... Yeah. It alleviates one of my concerns, which is that Bob stubborn, stubborn, <laughs> changed his ways. Uh, so that is that is a sign of progress to me. Like, the Chiefs, the coaching staff has to figure some things out. Like, I, I'm not freaking out, because I've seen the Chiefs start 1-5 before, and win the final 10 games of the season, call it 11 in a row with the playoff win, and then play with New England with three of their best five players out. Mm -hmm. So I've seen this team figure it out. And there wasn't a personnel change that came along that that season. Actually, they lost their best player. They lost Jamal Charles for the season and then figured it out. Like, I have faith in this coaching staff. People that think the Dallas game was, was just proof that the Chiefs can't compete on this upper tier level because they lost one game where they were favored to lose. They were the underdogs in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, And this is proof that the Chiefs will never figure it out. It's That, that thought process is beyond me. Mm-hmm. I I think that really... But I, but I get it. Hold yeah. on. I get it. Because they see the warts on the defense, and they're seeing what we're talking about right now, and they don't think the team can figure it out. And I think I just have more faith that the coaching staff can figure this out somehow.
0: I think that there are changes that can be made, and... To me, when I look at a team, and this is why, like, especially after the Pittsburgh game, like, why I got so frustrated, is because it's like, when I look at this team, that even if my expectations entering the season was, this year does not matter. It doesn't matter. This is all prep for getting Pat Mahomes on the field.
1: This, that's another thing that's, that's bothering me. How can you possibly be mad at the Chiefs right now? Like, I, I think, just... Oh, oh. I can't look at Twitter after, after losses anymore. It's just <laughs> grown men that cannot handle losing. Like, Chiefs fans are in such a dangerous spot where they expect to win every game, but they remain super pessimistic about winning the Super Bowl. So there's just no winning. Yeah. Every win is just a meaningless regular season win. And every loss or every bad win is just a reason why the Chiefs won't win a Super Bowl. So it's just exhausting. I got to get away from it. I admit, I used yeah. to not look at Twitter after losses. For some reason, the last couple weeks, actually just this last week, mm-hmm. and it was brutal to look at. It's just it's it's a cesspool out there.
0: Where I think that where my frustration has has been lying, um, and and I while I do trust that changes can be made, if I look at a team that can go out, you know, on ring night in New England and win that game. And I look at the way that really they've hung with everyone, Dallas is probably the worst game they've played. Right?
1: Uh better if it's working, yeah. I mean yeah. I
0: I think that I think that the Dallas game, despite what happened going up seventeen, fourteen, like for whatever reason, I just the team didn't feel that competitive.
1: The Dallas game was the most deflating, I think, because it was just like the effort was... Even Andy yeah. called out the effort. And that's just...
0: And some of that is short week and, man, they've played nine straight and they've dealt with injuries too. And, and they've had
1: five primetime games. Oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah. This, this team has gone it. through it. Like, physically they need a bye week, but emotionally I think they very much need the bye week. It's, oh yeah. it's a tired team. Yeah, absolutely. I think Also, not don't look over... Our our last huge letdown game was against the Steelers before the bye week last year, mm-hmm. so maybe Andy Reid might be this guru after the bye week, but before the bye week, he's he's yeah. it's like his kryptonite. He mails it in, <laughs> so that because he's, he's already preparing. <laughs> maybe Andy is the one that needs the bye week.
0: Three weeks to prepare <laughs> is what it be is for
1: Andy Reid. That's why he's
0: got such yeah. a great record. <laughs> um, I I think that to try to try to sorry, put, I keep cutting no, you off. You I have
1: I have. So many thoughts in my brain, and they're very unorganized. It's <laughs> <You're> just, <fine. laughs> it's just a lot of lashing out that I don't want to do on Twitter because it's just it's misplaced, and I and I don't like it out there. So it's well to try to just kind of kind of put a bow on it. I think
0: that the biggest reason I'm frustrated is because I see a team that my expectations were instantly adjusted after beating Pittsburgh, but then they continued New to England. solidify. Yeah, sorry, after beating New England, and then it was continued to solidify in the weeks after that. Because the team kept playing well. Yes. And then we have this game against Pittsburgh. And I know every, everyone was frustrated in some way because it felt so much like the playoff game. But I'm just like, I guess I look at this team and I say, if you feel like the AFC is wide open, you're two games up in your division with seven to play and no one underneath you is really scary. Like, you, you're, you feel like you're basically trying to play right now and position yourself for home field advantage. That
1: game and, put, could have put the clamps down, yes.
0: And and so for me, when I see some obvious issues, especially like on defense, where it's like, can we just can we just try something? Can we try some things? Like I would be throwing everything I could at it to try to figure it out instead of, like get you know I saw that quote from Bob Sutton where he said we're not going to be able to change anything. like We're not going to do something that fundamentally changes how our defense operates. And I'm like, Bob, that's what Andy has done. That's what Andy does. And and you're saying that you can't do that or that you're unwilling to do that? That was just that quote, and it's probably taken out of context anyway. It's got really (laughs) frustrating for me. But I just like, because I see an opportunity for this team, to seize the entire AFC, this team could easily go to the Super Bowl. There is not a team in the AFC that I think is better the than Chiefs the Chiefs. Have the fourth highest Super Bowl odds right now. Yes, yeah.
1: the fourth highest.
0: So I, I just I don't I don't have, think have there's anybody. Right. Have some chill. I don't think there's have anybody in the AFC that's better than the Chiefs. And so when I when I see the defense and I see the problems that we're having, all I want is just try, just try, do something do some stuff that's different and we started to see a little bit of that against Dallas on Sunday and I think that's a step in the right direction. But I just I just I just want them to do something.
1: A few things. The Chiefs were 5 and 0, oh, they were rolling at that point. So I don't think they needed to change up much. Right. In For hindsight, sure. their game plan in going into Pittsburgh probably wasn't the best. And it cost them because that's going to loom as the biggest game of the season. Um Damn! I lost my the points. I got so many points. You got down. so many points. I got so many things. All
0: right. Well, um, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick second. Yes. And breathe and refocus. So um, we'll be right back. And now it's time for uh, something that we've been working on for a little while, trying to figure out how exactly best to present it, and uh, I, I think I think it's gonna be a good one. It's down? Think you guys are gonna like
1: it? Let's down.
0: Alright. And now deep thoughts by his darkness.
1: Does anybody else think sleeping is weird? We all just lie down and fall unconscious, and we have to do this every day, and and your mind works in mysterious ways. Only to regain consciousness with a slight understanding of what your mind just threw out there. And at what point are we technically asleep? What happens to our body? And how come you can't tell another grown man that you've been dreaming about him without it coming off as gay? It's all just weird, man. <laughs> it's just weird. And that was Deep Thought. He <laughs> <It was practice. laughs> couldn't last five more seconds! <laughs>
0: Uh, deep thoughts With his darkness nope. And it's making its debut here during the bye week These are the things that just float around the mind Float around
1: Alright, so let's, uh, let's go uh, back to the defense real quick A few points You, you talked about the, the team needs to play with some attitude Yeah, Like you were talking about like Sutton and, and all that I think he's shown the ability to change And now I think the players have to come through and, and play with attitude And another thing to further my point on how can you, you can be mad at the Chiefs, like the go to argument was always like, I guess maybe people said like the ownership didn't care. I, I have it under un, good understanding that the ownership does care. I, I have a person who spent the Monday night game up in the, uh, up in the suite with, with Clark Hunt, mm-hmm. and he was glued to the game for every single play. Okay. And people were walking on pins and needles around him. But aside from that, the other argument was this team won't take a chance at quarterback. They took their chance at quarterback. We have hope for the future, and we're good now. So if this season doesn't work out, and you're just like, oh, same old Chiefs, there's hope on the way. It's already here. Mm -hmm. It's not blind hope. It's like, hey, maybe we can take a quarterback next year. We already took our quarterback. He's already here, and we all believe in him. So, you know, if you're down on the 2017 Chiefs, cheer up, because they'll win the Super Bowl in 2019. Yeah, that's true. So, if we're going to win the Super Bowl in 2019, one of the guys that's going to have
0: to figure it out between now and then is Chris Jones. Jones. So, um, hot chocolate, as I'm now calling him. Oh. Um, Chris Jones has three and a half sacks on the season. I know that people don't like box score soundings. <laughs> people don't like box score scouting. <laughs> Seth. Um... But Chris Jones has three and a half sacks on the season, and three of those came in the game against the Eagles, where he was essentially unblockable, and also oh, was the Eagles, and, and also had an interception. Was it Eagles or Chargers? It was the Eagles. Okay. So um, I've gone through. I, I just I did do some box score scouting. I mean, in the in the Patriots game. Granted, this is pro football reference, not pro football focus. But like, zeroes. No sacks, no tackles, no assists, no nothing. Nothing. At all. Um, and in the Pittsburgh game, one assist shows up. In the Dallas game, one assist shows up. But I mean, so many of these games, it's just like, it's, it's not just that he's not really showing up on the stat sheet. Like, what has Chris Jones, as a whole, through the first nine weeks, what has he done well? He's not consistently creating pressure. He's not consistently getting double teams to try to help in the run game. And and so I think that this is a, a big problem. And I did hear that he wasn't playing that much in the base defense on Sunday. That he was kind of being rotated in. I don't know if people want to consider this a benching. But I wanted to check with you and see... I never looked at stats. If you feel the same way about his performance so far this year, and if, if you think that like a, a benching, for lack of a better word, is maybe kind of just at this point, and that he might be better as a, I don't know, Mono Ginobili
1: type. Oh. Uh, I, I think he's been disappointing. I think he's a guy that we all kind of expected to take a leap this year, and we were kind of excited about having a playmaker... And Justin Houston all from the outside, Chris Jones on the inside, Marcus Peters at corner, and Eric Barry on the um, in deep. So Barry is gone, Peters is doing his thing, Houston is mostly doing his thing, but Jones, outside of the one game where he was an animal, he's just not showing up. Like, weeks at a time here that I haven't heard Chris Jones' name pop up. For what it's worth...
0: 57% of the snaps on Sunday defensively with 38. And you had... So, as far as the defensive line rotation is concerned, maybe Sutton did kind of what I was talking about and just like throwing bodies out there. Benny Logan played 50 of 67 snaps. Chris That's... Jones played 38. Alan Bailey played 29. Nunez Roches played 26. I would say by far his highest number of oh, the season. Wow.
1: Roy Miller played 21, probably by far his highest number of the season. See, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's an adjustment because Alan Bailey had been out snapping the other defensive linemen like crazy. Didn't he get hurt, and though? He, yeah, I he don't know. Sort of, I think he ended up leaving the game. Well, but. that would change my, my take here. Um, I'm going to fire it off anyways. Take that's that. Funny. Take that. But uh, I was calling for more Benny Logan last week, and he played more Benny Logan. Yeah, uh, the high of the defensive lineman, but Alan Bailey was outpacing the other defensive linemen in snaps by quite a bit, uh, and I think he was just because he was kind of locked into both the base and the nickel defense. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're throwing bodies up there. That's a lot of snaps for Roy Miller, who I've kind of liked, and they did a better job against the run, so that might have helped up there.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, think I think it's I think it's good to keep those guys fresh because none of them are showing, I think, like a very consistent dominance. And if any of them are, it's Benny Logan. Like, Benny Logan is the one that is, let's say, earning 75% of the sales. And it
1: looks like we threw out our better run defenders. Chris Jones, I'm not quite sold on him as a run defender, given that we haven't had a good run defense the last couple years, and he's been a central part of it. Um, Therese floated the idea
0: of the Chiefs moving to a 4-3 in the off season. And saying that he doesn't think that they do it because they've been in the 3 4 for however many years and it's just a massive change to do it. And so it would basically be like unless you, you know, hire a guy like Wade Phillips, like the Rams did, and go from 4 3 to 3 4, because that's what Wade Phillips does, the Chiefs would have to hire like some really well established 4 3 defensive player. Marvin coordinator. Lewis. I mean. <laughs> Give me Ron. If Ron Rivera gets fired or something, and bring him in here. I mean, he and Andy Reid have history together. But I, I just, in terms of trying to fit the personnel together, he's saying like Chris Jones being able to play three technique would be really nice. Um, and him, and especially if you keep Logan and Logan gets to play the, the one, the other defensive tackle. Yeah, I can see that.
1: But it's how would Houston fit in? He plays DN. Plays defensive end. Okay. I mean, and th- but they may
0: try to put him basically in like the Von Miller role of he plays stand-up linebacker, but he goes after the quarterback a lot.
1: Yeah, I have no idea how that how Denver makes that work. I don't. I, don't I feel know, like I watch Denver all the time, yeah. and I don't understand how they run a four-three, and he's one of the three linebackers. I
0: tell you, let's just kind of put put it at this. I like seeing these snap counts, the way that this is divvied up on defense, and I want to say that this. Kind of like solidifies
1: that hey we did try something different and hey it sort of worked. I think we tried a couple of different things and I, and there were yeah. things that I was suggesting. So yeah, obviously I'm not going to get on Bob Sutton this week, but I guess you the listener can get on me if you want.
0: Yeah. <coughs> <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Was was that a break so everyone could yell at me? Oh I don't fuck I don't you know. Dirk. I actually kind of <laughs> fuck off. Go fuck
0: yourself. I kind of thought you were after saying your deep thought that you were saying that the listeners could then get on you, and it was...
1: Oh, get on me. They yeah. can do that, too. <laughs> uh, do you, Are you hey, concerned... I've been, I've been you, dreaming about you guys. So,
0: are you concerned that <laughs> three of the top four tacklers on the team are in the secondary? Does that does that show you kind of what, what we've expected? They're um, getting to the second level, Dirk.
1: Yeah, I think that's the third level. Um, yes, I would say that that's is concerned. the third level. Crap. W- I've noticed... I think our safety play... I think we're skating by with really good safeties. I listed them off... Like, having Tyvon Branch as your third safety, having Kirk Coleman the year before as your third safety, like, that's... That's a... That's a... Barrel of riches. Well, and that's like Daniel Sorensen being the third safety. I yeah, mean, which is fine. But is once a- Barry goes out, and now you got Eric Murray coming in as your third safety, like, which is just kind of not a strength anymore on the defense. Whereas, before... Really? Fuck, that one year having Tyvon Branch, Ron Parker, Hussein Abdullah, who I think we miss him longingly. He's he's one who who left between 2015 and 2016 when we see the drop-off on the defense. And yeah, those three and Ron Parker. Four really good safeties at that point. Like, you can see how the Chiefs were skating by playing the nickel so much. Because these guys were playmakers, and they were able to make plays in the run game, in the box... They want to make plays deep, they're interchangeable. Like I yeah. I see what the Chiefs once were, and maybe their safety position is it's kind of what's holding them back right now. It could be, but you know, and something you have to consider with that though, too, is that
0: all those guys that you listed off, none of them are young players. They're all veterans. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, Eric Murray is a rookie, and he's still learning how to play this position on yeah. the fly because he was a corner in college. Yeah. And as we talked about last week. I don't know if Bob's putting him in the right position to succeed because I don't think he should be manning up on tight ends. We
1: had Sorensen manning up on tight end a little bit this, <clears> this week. Uh, I think Murray, it was, I think it was Witten's on one catch. catch. Um, so I don't. Who knows what else happened because Witten only had one catch. Who? One catch for five yards. Who everything. was Murray covering when he didn't get that interception? Wasn't that Witten? Uh, no, because it was caught. So a slot receiver, I think. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe Bryce. Witten only had the one. Maybe that was catch. sketch. Maybe I don't know. I don't. know. Okay. Um, the the so I think. Well, we don't see. Remember the veteran safety used to be a thing. Like we brought in the veteran safety. Yeah, at the, the, the at minimum. Safety, yeah. And we were all just like it was. It we was, had no expectations for him going into the season, and then he played very well. I mean, it's, it's the Kirk Coleman, the Hussein Abdullah, the Tyvon Branch, the John Dorsey, the 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 John Dorsey, the yeah. John Dorsey special. Yeah. yeah. But, and, um, you know, he's, he's not here anymore. That's sorely so. missing this year, I would say.
0: I would, yeah, absolutely. And we, But we kept trying to figure out who it was going to be in the offseason before they ultimately got rid of Dorsey. And it was like, I don't even remember the name. Some dude that hadn't
1: played in two or three seasons. Or it was the Charger, like Stevie. That's what I was thinking. I want to say Stevie Johnson, but that's not I, him. Yeah. Stevie Brown? Steve, Stevie Brown. Stevie Brown.
0: Some other guy, and like, but it it was like you just felt like the quality was down
1: of the guys they brought in mm-hmm. too.
0: But I mean, you have to develop the guys on your roster. And like, Tyron Brandt
1: playing really well in Arizona this year. Yeah, he's good. Kirk Coleman was good until he Kurt got Coleman. Oh, he's not playing.
0: I think he I think he broke his arm or and something. He was really good too. Yeah. Um. The so,
1: Chris Jones. Chris Jones think, is like one of those guys that you you need to win one on one battles. Like one of those guys you talked about. You're hoping your talent can win out because you're not putting your defenders in the best spot, but you're hoping their talent will win the one-on-one matchup, and Chris Jones hasn't been winning those matchups.
0: Yeah, he needs to play better, and I don't know if just simply not having him like be the starter and playing in the base defense all the time, if that's the answer, but I would hope that something like that motivates him a little bit. Just like, Chris, you're going to play fewer snaps until you start playing better. Um, you love his... You like his attitude a lot. You like his energy, but if the play isn't showing up, then you know you got to figure something when, out. You know, I think
1: the coaches are going to get after him. Andy mentioning the effort oh, yeah. in the post-game press conference means they're going to get after him, and people are either going to have to start playing with attitude or not playing.
0: Yep,
1: yep. So the other position, and this is the one that I think
0: probably everybody has now been waiting for you know, the better part of an hour to hear us talk about, We've seen now two weeks of Terrence Mitchell on the sideline and Kenneth Acker playing in his place. Um, before I give you this stat, I want to ask, do you think that Kenneth Acker is playing better, worse, or indeterminable worse. to Terrence Mitchell? Worse. Okay. So, I just want to point out, Terrence Mitchell has played seven games, been, been on the sideline for the last two weeks... Still leading the league in most receiving yards surrendered. (laughs) No corner has given up more yards than Terrence Mitchell, and he hasn't played for two weeks. So that ain't good, but um, I mean, we knew that that position was going to get targeted a lot. And as we talked about with the return of Steven Nelson, it was also going to be a lot fewer opportunities on the field for whoever that was, but we were all assuming it was going to be Terrence Mitchell. And I think that. If they come back against the Giants and they play the way that we're expecting them to play, which is Peters and Nelson, and then when you go to three, Mitchell comes on the field, you're talking about even if it is two thirds of the snaps, it's that's still, you know, twenty snaps a game or more that Mitchell is not on the field because Nelson is back. Uh-huh. And I think that Mitchell is the better player to Kenneth Acker. Frankly I think DJ White's better than both of them. Damn you, Chris <laughs> Ballard. Um, but we, we cut him. Who do we cut him for? Uh, to bring back Tomba? To bring back Tomba. and he, and yeah, and he, and he got signed up. He got snatched up by the Colts. One question that I want to ask, and and Chiefs fans are going to be like, uh, no, 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 I'll be like I'll take Is it worth seeing if Philip Gaines can play on the outside? We know he's been playing out of position. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, is I'm down. I still like Terrence con- Mitchell? I still I do, like. Terrence. I do too. I'm just saying, like. I'm not opposed to seeing Philip Gaines play in his natural position. Yeah. like I, No, I if, get it. I if get you're going to be throwing stuff around and say,
1: let's figure out what we're doing, like... I'd rather see him than Acker, I think. Acker, Acker got kind of whooped, I think.
0: A little bit, yeah. But he had that interception against Trevor Simeon. Did
1: he? Yeah, I mean, it was thrown. Oh, the walk. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right to him. Yeah. That was Simeon's white flag. Oh hey, three red guys in the middle of the field. That looks right. Yeah. Um uh, I think I think it should be Terrence
1: Mitchell. I think you do too. Yes. I would like and we saw Steven Nelson go back to cornerback too. Yeah. His first game back, he was still playing uh, just third cornerback snaps. Yeah. I'll say this. I think I thought Nelson played pretty good. He had a really nice tackle, I remember, on like an end around or something. Or no, it was just like a toss outside, I think. But people want to say he had a bad game cuz he got beat for two touchdowns, but and that's that's the the inside slant. We've talked about it before. It's the hardest, yeah. Pretty much the hardest uh route to cover. The slant with no safety help inside in the end zone, like good luck. And he got beat on the outside one too, but I mean he gave up Colby's had four catches for 25 yards. I'm not going to get on Nelson about that. Yeah.
0: So I before we before we transition to the offense and, and kind of shut this thing down today. Um, I'll say this: there are a lot of things that, as fans or as fanalists, if you will, hey, i I think that there are a lot of things that we think we know, that we think this is what would be best for the team, and we don't know if like the coaching staff agrees or if if they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to be too like inflexible about. Terrence Mitchell should be you know, playing that position or Parker Anger should be starting over Brian Witzman because there's so much that we don't see and there's so much that we don't know and I don't want to set myself up or, or you guys or anyone else for disappointment because I think everyone is looking at this Giants game saying like we're going to see what we really want to see finally after the bye Parker Anger is going to start Mitchell's going to be back out there, and we're going to get fully healthy. Justin Houston D Ford's going to be back. We're going to mix Tom Ali in. John Reed's going to play guard. The Chiefs are going. Yeah,
1: Brandon Albert's going to play Albert's guard. Playing guard. Eric chi- Fisher <laughs> going to play guard. We're all going to play guards. We're going to have twelve guards out there. Yep,
0: and And, and, gonna gonna, and Eric Berry's finally going to get to play deep safety. And um, I I think that people are really circling this Giants game as the opportunity for the Chiefs to come out and like just dominate a bad team. And I don't. I I hope that that's the case for sure. I mean, the Giants are are bad, and the Giants are also playing in San Francisco this week against another bad team. But having to go to the complete opposite side of the country while the Chiefs are at home sleeping in their own beds. So I I think that there's just there's a couple things that if Chiefs fans just just say, well, this is what they should be doing, and if they don't do it, then they're wrong. Especially as far as the personnel is concerned. Like I'm just. I'm willing to trust the coaching staff, kind of like you were saying, even as far as some of the personnel stuff. They've earned our trust. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy that I think has earned our trust, even though he did end up having kind of a rough game on Sunday, uh, Seth said that he thought it was actually a bad game, is Alex Smith. Um, I I looked at the numbers just because it is that step back week and just see where we're at through nine games. Alex is averaging 270 yards and two touchdowns and 20 more on the ground a week. He's incredible. He's been great. He's been really, really good. Now, he is averaging just shy of three sacks a game. Um, and, and we have seen, you know, the times where he drops his eyes and the times where you're just like, damn it, Alex, you just, you just know you don't look like the Alex that we've seen this year. We know that even though he has changed a lot, I think that everyone needs to recognize, like, there are going to be stretches where he plays like he has played for the previous twelve years, mm-hmm. but you still have to be excited and you still have to give him credit for the ways that he's changed because people didn't think he was even going to get this far.
1: Yes, uh, and I think I, I think Alex he plays at his best when he has the running game. Yeah, if he's being asked to carry the offense. I think that will always be a bit much for Alex. Just ask That's Jim why you're replacing him. Just ask what?
0: Just ask Jim Harbaugh.
1: There you go. And so as you've seen the running game kind of collapse upon itself, you're seeing Alex's play steadily get a little bit worse. Uh, and so I, I think that's what he is. Uh, I think he played out of his mind the first couple of weeks because we established that running game, and then the defense was... Trying to stop the run, much like you saw Dak Prescott tear us apart. Once we tried to take away the run, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think Alex, he's fine. Uh, he's a lot of what we th- what we thought he was, but yeah, I, I, I think he's a
0: few things that we didn't think too though the think? way that he's played so far this year. Yeah, that's true. That's People true. didn't think that. he Yeah, had yeah. Some I'm not trying to no. shit on
1: Alex at all. I am yeah. very satisfied with Alex. I wasn't that mad at Alex. I blame the offensive line over Alex mm-hmm. in that game personally. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously you can point at a few snaps that there wasn't pressure and he kind of bailed out of the pocket, but no quarterback's going to play a great game, or nobody, no, no quarterback's going to play a perfect game. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, and so I thought he was fine. I he wasn't in the top three of my problems from that game. Um,
0: I I want to ask a little bit about maybe reasons aside from the offensive line that Alex has had had some struggles here and there this year. Um. And and the first spot that I think that you look at is wide receiver. Um so far this year, are you happy with number one, the way that Tyreek has played, and number two, the way that he's being used offensively? Uh yeah. Yes. So I think that he's got about forty catches and he's got five or six hundred yards or something I think like he's that. He's seventh in the league in receiving. Forty catches for six seventeen and four
1: touchdowns. Seventh in the league receiving. Given we haven't had our bye week yet, so that'll drop down to probably tenth or so. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, but I that's, think
1: that's everything I've asked for. Yeah, if he's I think a, I think he's in a number that one. Range I as, think he's a number one.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> Kelsey's phenomenal. Kelsey's probably leading tight ends in everything. Period. Like just yeah. Everything. Well,
1: Ertz is having a really good year, so he gets more touchdowns. True. Yeah. But it's those two are one and two and everything, and I think yeah. Kelsey's beating him in yards and. Catches.
0: I sure like seeing Kelsey. You know, the last couple weeks get these red zone looks too. Yeah, um, I mean that's that been they haven't done a lot in the past, and he's he's getting those looks now. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play a quick multiple choice game with you. You ready? Yeah. Demarcus Robin has, Demarcus Robinson has more catches than A. Breadwinner. B. Ross Travis. Yes. C. Chris Conley,
1: D, Mm,
0: DAT, E, A, and B
1: combined, or F, all of the above. I fucking hate when they're like, A, B, and D. Right. Those are the worst tests. Uh, He has more than Ross Travis. I know that. Uh, the answer
0: is all of the above. He has more catches than all those guys. Okay. Demarcus Robinson already has more catches than Chris Conley. Um, and don't get me wrong, Demarcus Robinson was on the field, yeah, like maybe a couple times. But he, when Chris Conley went down, I want to say Robinson probably only had two or three catches, right? Um, and he's only started three games now. He's got more grabs than that. He has more grabs than Ross Travis and the Breadwinner combined. Ugh. Um, and Demarcus Robinson is playing essentially every single snap on offense. Yep. Now, he still only has like 12 catches.
1: Um, I, I saw people wanting to give DeMarcus the ball more. These, like, oh, the, here's the problem. I saw people complaining about DeMarcus Robinson not getting the ball enough. I saw people complaining about Tyree Hill not getting the ball enough. And I saw people complaining about Kareem Hunt not getting the ball enough. Yeah, you can't like, do it for every We right? have a lot of weapons. We can't emphasize them all and I know the offense wasn't that great so yes you can make the argument that a few of them should have seen more but we can't like there's only so much to go around the big thing that I think we have to remember
0: with Demarcus Robinson as far as just trying to temper our expectations especially like statistically for him he is at all times at best the fourth option It's always going to be Tyreek and Travis and Kareem before him. Yes. And there are going to be games where Albert Wilson is, you know, more of the game plan or Sharkandrick West or something. Like, you don't know. Because he is the number two wide receiver, it can be deceiving. And because of the number of snaps, it can be deceiving. He's in the Chris Collins role. I tell you what, though. They're
1: expecting three to four catches for 40 to 50 yards a game.
0: Right. I, I tell you what, though, man. I mean, the thing with Robinson... That the coaching staff has to absolutely love. He comes to work. I mean, the oh. guy's going out there and he's he's playing every snap. His run blocks, His blocks on the hill, He'll Mary. Fantastic.
1: Something we haven't uh, even touched on.
0: But it's I, I think that Demarcus Robinson is doing all the things that you want to see him do. I don't have any complaints about what he's done so far. Like no. So I I think that he's he's earning the right. To continue to play, he's earning the right to hopefully get some more looks, and I do think that like once, once the offense opens up, which may not be until 2018 or 2019, Robinson is positioning himself very, very nicely.
1: Well, yeah, just look at the you talked about Tyreek being a receiver, wide receiver one, a legitimate first option. I think you have Chris Conley, who's a legitimate NFL receiver, mm-hmm. and you have Demarcus Robinson, who's a legitimate NFL receiver. Yeah. So that's three options outside, and you probably have the best tight end in the league. So, yes, we have we have riches to catch the ball. Yes, yeah. they're going to be in good shape. Could use an upgrade at the old uh, tight end two and three positions. Man, for as much as Andy likes to use them, God, they're both they're so, so bad. bad. And I don't like.
0: I don't think that that's. Ugh. I know that he's trying to develop these these athletes at tight end. But like I I don't like why, developing
1: this, two of them. This is why develop I, one and bring in a rock solid guy. Bring in Anthony. We had him. We had Gavin Escobar. And you can you can make fun of me if you want and and say he's not that good. But he'd be doing a better job than either of those guys right now. I, I guarantee
0: he it. he probably would. Um, I the the thing for me is like that's the biggest reason. And don't get me wrong, he hasn't. He I don't think he's played a snap yet for them. So this so, might be a bad example. Okay, but. That's why I wanted them to go out and, and draft like Jake Butt. I wanted that butt.
1: I think because he's on IR, so
0: I don't think he'd help much this year. But no, he's. I think he's like he got pupped and has been practicing. But like that's that's just. But that's the type of player that I'm talking about. Yeah, give the Fasano me, type. Give like, me the 6'5", 260 hundred and sixty pound white guy that's like not very athletic you know, and equally good at blocking and receiving. Like, not high upside as far as a receiver is concerned, but, like, he's going to go out and do his job. Just to solid You're going to ask him to do a bunch of different crap, solid and he's going to be
1: able to, like, do, a, you know, all those things. I never thought I'd miss Anthony Fasano so much. Ugh. It's just, it's, it's only a problem because Andy loves to play two tight ends so much. Yeah. Like, that's why it's a problem. And if Demetrius was your third tight end, and you're bringing him in to get athletic mismatches on the outside, which we've seen him do. Mm-hmm. He is capable of it. But we're also using him in line to block like for our running game. And it's just like, he's not, he's not a good blocker. He's yeah. not built to block. Yeah. So you figure something else out. And then Ross Travis is, is essentially just him, but worse. I wanna, I'm want to pitch this to you.
0: I'm going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> um, Anthony Sherman's contract is up at the end of the year. And, uh... I mean, I'll put the snaps he log. Not, not many. <coughs> I know a lot of people like Three. Sherman. I know lot Three! Three snaps! I know a lot of people like Sherman, but he he makes quite a bit of money for basically being a special teamer and just kind of a lead-by-example sort of guy, I guess. Um, I've seen Larry Johnson on Twitter many, many times say that Kareem Hunt is much better out of a single-back formation. Hmm. And, uh... To me, when I think about Andy Reid, especially in Philly, I think about two tight ends and single back Brian Westbrook. Brian West. Brian Westbrook. Brian, Brian Westbrook. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like that—that's what I think of with that offense. Is two tight ends and a single running back. And I—I um, I know that the Chiefs are going to be up against it. No matter what moves they make, they're not going to have a whole lot of money. I'd really like to see them take the two to three million dollars that they're paying Anthony Sherman. And and just take that money and transition it into tight end, two, And if you want to, you know, decide whether or not you can keep Demetrius Harris, because he, he makes, I think, a, a million or more, too, when they re-signed him, like, you could invest and and get a pretty damn good tight end, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to draft somebody, that's fine, too. But, like, I, I think that they would stand to gain quite a bit from just getting a veteran right
1: there. I'm with it. Uh, I got nothing else. I'm done. Um... Alright, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly game done, too. Alright, I, I just... Had just relax. Everybody just relax. Ralex. Ralex. I like that.
0: I saw people doing, instead of relax, it was ralex. Oh, I thought you
1: were about to play relax. The, uh... No.
0: <laughs> no.
1: But yeah, just, just have some chill. Uh... I think the Chiefs will be favored in their final seven games of the season, each and every game. Probably. Um, And you can't win the Super Bowl in Week 9. Look, we saw the Chiefs playing their best football in the middle of the season last year. It didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Chiefs are not playing great football right now. Obviously, the team right now is not a Super Bowl contender. Mm -hmm. The hope is that they have shown the potential this year to be that team. Like, we've seen them do it. Yep. We've seen them beat the best two teams in the league. The two Vegas favorites to win Super Bowl. The Chiefs have beaten them both. So, I have some faith that they can get back to that. Like, I, I enjoy that we've seen that. Mm-hmm. So, there is the hope to see it again. And, uh, yeah, I think the team needs the bye week. And I think they'll be fine. And that's all I got.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, well, first and foremost... This is an amateur. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness, and this is They're brand new out Of course, L. these guys are great. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> Wolfpick. <laughs>
0: um No, dude, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think that uh, I think that they've got the back half of this season against some bad teams to get get some things figured out. I get not, it right. I, get I, it right. I, get it tight. I like that against some of these teams you can try things and make mistakes and, and more easily overcome them to figure out, oh, well, we really like how this works and we don't like how this works. Like they can they can try some try some stuff, which is what I want to see.
1: I like it. And enjoy the journey. I don't I don't want to tell you how to be a fan, but just sitting there hating your team until they reach the final goal of a Super Bowl doesn't seem like a great fan experience to me. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe you see getting mad at them as part of the journey uh, and maybe I just see it as like trying to support the team through, their, through thick and thin uh, as the journey but, but you know enjoy the journey I don't, I don't think we're going to win the Super Bowl and it's just going to be like the greatest moment of my life I'm going to look back at all the tough times of the team and, and reflect on that that's that's how I look at it
0: I also I, th- I think that being hard on the team is, is fine
1: It's... I Dude, I... But
0: don't... If you get on Twitter and start, like, adding players... Jesus. I can't. I'm not. I can't do that. I can't do it. The Chiefs have five games in December and three of them are at home. Arrowhead's gonna get after it. I'm really excited. We actually get to play three straight home games in December. The Raiders, the Chargers, and the Dolphins of Miami. It's going to be
1: good. It's going to be good. It's going be good. Hey, I really
0: enjoyed that.
1: Congratulations, honey. You were great. <laughs>